Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My favourite dance on Strictly is the jive. It's episode number 215. <laughs> yeah, They're not as good. And I'll be... And if I'm completely honest with you, I don't even know if they do a jive on Strictly. So it could be false false news. Um, but we're not here to talk Strictly, are we? I'm actually... I'm No, hello. I'm Chris. And I'm joined, sitting in the bottom left-hand screen, side of my screen by Tom Thrower. Oh, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not in that position on your screen. Well, on my screen. It's a different, <laughs> Fair enough. It's a different order and it's throwing me off. Are you well, Tom? Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. Good. Above <laughs> you is Tony Lloyd. How are you, Tony? Well, it's weird because you're above Tom on mine, but Tom is in the bottom left on mine. It's a disorientating um, feat. It's like Inception, isn't it? Who knows where we are? It's so like Inception confusing. podcast Tetris. Yes. Um, I'm basically well. And Dave, are you basically well as well? Uh, don't bully people. <laughs> exactly. Don't work for the yes. home office either. Oh, satire, politics, <laughs> we've got them all on this podcast. But we're not here to discuss Pretty Pratel, are we? No, we're not. We're here to discuss something much more jolly, and that is Stoke City 4, Huddersfield Town 3. Some three-word reviews before we wax lyrically. Ah, should have been simpler. Uh, anything can happen. Lovely stuff, boys. Never in doubt. Uh, never in doubt again. And now breathe. End to end. E-I-E-I-E-I-O. Up the nothing. Very good. Seven goal thriller. Um, and it goes on and on. What a game. What a ache of heart. Because it was stressful. And my gosh. What a game for Sam Vokes. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I jest, of course, I jest, of course. <laughs> Sam Vokes being code name for Tyrese Campbell, but yeah, Stoke City 4, Huddersfield Town 3. It was chaos. Football is chaos, and I think I'm only just recovering from it now. How are you feeling, Dave? Um, I'm just buzzing off Michael O'Neill's goal machine potters. It's just, it was, it was chaos, it was... Uh, nerve shredding it was just a fantastic game of football for mm. anyone I think even Huddersfield fans would have taken some kind of comfort out of being involved in such a fabulous game of football um, and it's just kind of tinged with the sadness of God a crowd in that game would have just made it something else um, <laughs> I thought we deserved it I thought um, the defence is an issue obviously having a young goalkeeper thrown in for a debut at such short notice is gonna um, cause you know cause some stress for those defenders but we got through it that's the most important thing and yeah it's just we're picking up points and like we said last week or the two weeks ago we we said like we we maybe not out of that gear yet but if we'd still you know, if there's still more to come and we're still picking up points, then that that's a mighty fine start to a season. Mm. No, definitely, definitely. Tom, like we've we've said before on the podcast about how this had the potential of a binary season, and I think you've mentioned how stats wise we are we're not we're not exactly peppering the opponents with shots, but like every now and again we have a game where just loads of goals go in. 
as the stat man and observer of football, um, is this? <laughs> did we create good chances? Was it a case of goalkeepers should have done better? Like in your in your expert analysis of football, what what um, what what was done well there? I guess. Um, I mean, I think we were we were we were pretty clinical um, as far as scoring four goals from the chances we had came. But I also I uh, I contest the idea that we don't have enough shots. I think we've been okay <laughs> for the shots that we have, especially when um, you've got uh, two really prolific strikers in your squad, um, in Stephen Fletcher and Sam Vokes. Um, it's just, it's just always going to go well. I think the the stats analysty take that I would uh, sort of put to everyone, and I understand the concern and the stress because um, uh, because it's scary when uh, when you're a Stoke fan and you're throwing away throwing away goals. Uh, but 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 when we scored our fourth goal to make it four two. The shots count red, 13 shots for Stoke, two shots for Huddersfield. So Huddersfield had had both of their shots go in. Um, and <laughs> then in, in the rest of the match, uh, we had one more shot and they, they had eight more shots. And I, I raised mm. this in a tweet to the not top 20 lot. It's, it's, it's Michael O'Neill's tricky match situation FC again. Um, we quite are fond of getting into leads and then go in. I'll do uh, for for these at home. I put my hands in the air. Um, you can't see me. Uh, you were doing the raised penalty area hands of innocence. Yes, <laughs> I just bumped into a into an attacker at a corner and gone. Not me. <laughs> just a point before, like carrying on about the match. I am concerned that there are people listening to this podcast who don't know the joke that is to refer to Tyrese Campbell as Sam Vokes. So that people don't know that Tyrese exists and we can keep hold of him for a little bit longer. You just want—I want everyone to be clued in on it so that they don't feel like, did we watch a different match? Because they're on about Sam Vokes all the time. We are talking about Tyrese Campbell, um, and and yeah, I mean Tony. Um, Tom mentions it. We have prolific strikers. Uh, it's Tyrese Campbell getting all the praise once again. He had a—he was previewed on on Sky. Before the weekend's football, they're not the top 20 lads, as you mentioned, Tom. Um, actually, going into detail about what they like about him, he comes up again with, with two two goals. Um, he's he's in a rich vein of form. It's He's, he's wonderful, isn't he? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, yes, he <laughs> is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's getting lots and lots of credit because he's really, 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 really good. And also a big part of the reason that our our conversion rate is so good I guess um, Tom alluded to Huddersfield having two shots and scoring two goals mm. um, which sort of brings us on to another point well done Huddersfield he's 13 <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh and how fitting because it's at the actual ground where that uh, where that line <laughs> yeah, is yeah. Um, but yeah um it was a big, a big first game, big debut mm. for Stoke for young Joe Bursic. But, but I mean, the first goal was a bit soft. I think it could still go either way. I don't think it. Like I, I remember, 
I want to say it was Stephen Bywater, but I don't think it was. But somebody had a who was very young had a debut for West Ham in the late nineties. I remember watching it live, and he just looked like he was going to cry. And every time the ball went near him, he just panicked. And it was so. It was a lot better than it, it, <laughs> he, it in many ways could have been. But also, I like the fact that after that first goal went in, which arguably it could have done better with. Um, it didn't change the way he was approaching anything and his head didn't drop at all through the whole game despite mm. conceding from the, their first three shots on target, um, <laughs> which is definitely a good sign for him playing on Tuesday and possibly playing really well. Like It only takes a couple of good saves and, and, and he could suddenly look like he, a... He's very young, isn't he? he he's, he's, well, I, I've, just, I've just checked. He's 20 years old. Which to me sound anyone who's born in the year two thousand it's just ludicrous to me. <laughs> um, he he's twenty years old and what I and everyone kind of says this thing about young players, but you you know that they're not going to be unless they are crazy world talented. They're not going to be consistent, and they are going to have these these situations where they they have to learn and they and they have to learn by. Well, in this case, having a baptism of, of, of fire a little bit. I don't think that this game is going to have done anything to, to hinder his his progress at all. He, As you say, I think he looked like he gained in confidence, I guess. And the fact that... Um, the, the fact that, I don't know, that he, he's pretty much guaranteed that spot <laughs> until, <laughs> until, I don't know, until otherwise. Like, it's... I don't... I, I've seen a lot of people kind of get a bit worried about the goalkeeping situation, and whilst I do think we'll probably concede more goals that we would have than we would have if uh, Adam Davis was in goal, for example, I don't think necessarily giving Joe Bursic a lengthy run in the net is going to be a bad thing for for us. Ne- yeah. Not necessarily. I mean, we've got young players in the defence who are getting better and better with each game, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I completely agree, and. Um, I did hear on Radio Stoke after the game yesterday that uh, someone was kind of complaining that on oh, no one went and put an arm around Joe Bursick at full time. And I thought, well, first of all, we've won. Second of all, um, he did make a sort of um, match match winning save, if you like, with the scores at four three. So he, yes, he's conceded three, um, but one of them's only one of them's possibly his fault, mm-hmm. and. This is one day's notice for him as well. It's, he, he was expecting to play for Doncaster this week, exactly. and then all yes. of a sudden he's he's been you know thrown into a league above with players he's not trained with because he's been at Doncaster with a defence he doesn't know. And you're not just kind of you've you're not just losing a, a better shot stop if you like. You're not just losing a decent championship keeper. You, you're losing particularly with Davis, like the presence he already had mm-hmm. in that in that team, the, the marshalling of the defence and the, the organisation and so forth. And Angus Gunn, on his debut, looked pretty naff as well. But because he's yes. got that more, more experience, he's gradually grown into it as well. So that process is going to be longer for a 19- or 20-year-old goalkeeper. So I don't think it needs, you know, such a degree of panic. Yes, it's far from ideal, but we've got, you know, Blondie hanging on the telephone waiting to be called up <laughs> if uh, um call me, he's saying. Um uh, but yeah, um, if if this is our if this is our big worry, I'm not that worried. <laughs> um I'm trying to find the question now, but I can't Oh it was just, Rob. Just, Rob, just, Rob, just no, quickly, uh 
some, somebody did go straight up to him just after the final whistle. Danny Bart went over to him and gave him a big shoulder rub and obviously G'd him up and told him he'd done well. Oh, like, well, there we go then. Literally the first thing to happen. <laughs> Rob, Robin Tunstall says, with the goalkeeping situation, would we be all right going back to a back five, build some confidence, not concede three easy goals, then slowly move back into a back four? Um, scoring loads yesterday was fun, however, conceding loads, not so much. Um... I don't. Uh, I mean, I'm as much as much as I would love to think I'm a tactical expert. I'm really not, and so I don't know whether changing the system is going to give Joe Bursic like going to make him get used to what we're playing. You can't I change d- a system based on a goalkeeper. No, oh, no, you can't. You can. <laughs> Unless it's Edison, or, Edison yeah. or something, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I mean? We're not going to suddenly change formation because it might give Joe Bursic a bit more confidence if there's more defenders in front of him. It's, it's like what Tom said, match situation FC. Like, play play the team and system that will most likely see you score more goals than the opposition. Bursic's going to... It's going to be a baptism of fire, whatever happens. I don't think adding an extra player in defence will necessarily do an awful lot on that front also I think the thing he did best was was his rushing out and and picking up those through balls that like he he was like lightning he was really alive to the danger and an extra defender is that seems a waste well that that, given that that seemed to be the strongest part of his game and that's going to be the thing isn't it he's he's a 20 year old keeper his game isn't going to be complete he's going to be Mm. probably more used to those situations playing behind what I assume are quite high lines in youth football because obviously you want to try and get get your young kids playing on the foot. I did think he looked a bit shaky under crosses, but again, he's probably, well, 100% is playing at the highest level he's ever played at before. He probably is going to second-guess himself a little bit when he's coming out for crosses. Um, And I think, not not that we shouldn't um, be, like, critical without being ridiculous, um... But we probably need to accept that this is the situation. He is going to be our goalkeeper for well, another is... few weeks. Let's just try and support him. Well, well, this is it. And as well, like with goalkeepers, you, it's not like any other position where you can, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll blood that young player in, we'll give him a few minutes at the end of a match. You can't really do that with goalkeepers, or at least it's not the done thing. Like, you are going to play a full match, you're going to be expected to be commanding, like, from the off in that box, and so, yeah, it's, he, listen, he's probably going to get stuff wrong, but as long as we recognise that, and recognise that there are plenty of other young players who've got wrong, done things wrong, and are getting gradually better in this team, I think I mean, and I, I'd like to think that the majority of Stoke fans are quite well in tune to that and know full well that these, these some of these players are young and they're this is their first experience at this level and they're all learning under a manager who's trying to coach them all together. I certainly... Maybe this is because we won and so I'm feeling quite charitable. But I certainly think that, yeah, you give them, you give them time. That's it. You definitely do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy game. Um, someone asked the question: When are we going to see a good ninety minutes from Stoke? <laughs> I don't know who's going to. Yeah, tw- who tw- wants to 23rd, take that one? I think it was George, wasn't it? But twenty third of twenty De- third of December. Okay. Three 0 Who's that against? Spurs. 
Tottingham. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, oh, yes. Because we're good in the cup, aren't we? I think the last complete performance was in the cup. We're just really good in the cup. Um, <coughs> so it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Famously, historically, we're just, we just are cup competition uh, magicians, aren't we? We we just bloody love a cup run. Uh, <laughs> just Wembley's our second home, isn't it, lads? So that's it. That's, yep. that's absolutely going on. Um, yeah, one regular day of Sky Bet. That's all I want. <laughs> will never happen. <laughs> oh no, it will never, never, never happen. It's it was. Listen, it was a fun game to be a part of, and I'm glad we, <laughs> I'm glad we won. Uh, we've had a few questions on the midfield, however, because the midfield is, what is it? Um, someone someone asks, how do we rate uh, Mikel so far this season? Um. I, I would open that up to how do we how are we rating the midfield so far? It's it's the it's the strikers and the defence who are getting a lot of a lot of thumbs up, not mm. so much our midfield. Although yesterday, Sammy Klukas, lovely finish. So what are we thinking, Mikel midfield? What do we think? Thoroughly underwhelmed by Mikel. Um, I don't really want to go on a rant about him because he's clearly got very good aspects of his game, but. Aside from one game, which I've oh, I forgotten which one it was, where I was like, bloody hell, okay, yeah, it was good. Um, I just found him to be fine, if not a bit eh at times. Um, I, I think that the fact that he's played... Well, I think we missed Thompson yesterday, which was weird, um, mm. especially at set pieces, other than, you know, Raymond smashing it in with his left foot, which is nice to see back because... That was that was one of the hits of last season, and we haven't had an outing of it yet. Um, I don't know. The midfield's a bit of a mess. Yeah, there's been no standout midfielder for us uh, this season at all. I'd say. Um, mm. I think Raquel's been fine. Uh, I think probably due a rest, perhaps. Um, you know, get those older legs some, uh, just some, just some rest. Uh, so, I don't know. I think Mikel has been better with Thompson alongside him. Um, mm. Klukas has struggled this season. Obviously, he's coming back from an injury now and, uh, you know, taking back the captain's armband might do him some good. Um, I think we, with the midfield, we're just kind of... F- they're just filling holes at the moment rather than um, being the first names on your team sheet. And you've kind of got a rotation of Thompson, Mikel, Klukas, um, Oakley Booth from time to time as well. I... T- yeah, like it would be nice to have a, um, you know, a commanding figure in there. I go back to how good Salif Jow was for us in the oh six oh seven mm-hmm. season when he first had that loan spell and really sort of helped galvanise us. Maybe mm-hmm. Joe Allen coming back will be that and will have that extra little bit of dimension in there. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, we're plugging away. We're plodding along fine. I agree with Tom. I think Jordan Thompson. Uh, would start for me. I think we do miss something slightly when he's not there, mm. and so I would possibly consider a Thompson Klukas combination in our next game. Can I make a case for trying Josh Tymon out again? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, you can. Um, and that was it. I was just going to throw it out there. I also think. Um, <laughs> If we if we count Powell as part of a the midfield, then he's definitely being the bright shining star. Probably don't, maybe. Mm. Um, but I, I agree about Thompson and, and Mikel. The thing with Mikel is 
the position he plays is that one that is always the one where ooh the clever big brain footballing fans are always like oh you just don't appreciate the work he does which is often true but in the case of Mikel he's just not really doing it very well a lot of the time <laughs> and and so you get this completely polar opinions everywhere after every game where a lot of people will be saying ooh that wasn't very good that's really disappointing apart from that one game where he did play well. And then you get people saying, oh, Mikel just holds it all together. That's incredible. It's the best footballer I've ever seen in a Stoke show. And you're like, no, this really didn't play that well. Though. I so, Yeah, I think it's possibly the fact he's not really a Michael O'Neill kind of midfielder as well that's uh, played into it. Because I don't think there's been many games, if any, this season where we've held the majority of possession and been on the front foot consistently enough. And I think... He's more suited to that than he would be either filling in and defending or, or you know, helping you know create counter attacks. So he's possibly just not um, the the right man for a lot of Michael O'Neill's match situations. Mm-hmm. So, um, but obviously it's it's nice to have him around, isn't it? It's John Obi McKell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Right. On, finally, on the topic of this game then, and generally Stoke all in all, um, football, I mean, we always talk about the actual like tactics aside from it, but football is more emotive more than anything else. So what I would l- love is for you to tell me what you love about this team right now. What is it? Because I, I think it was you, Dave, last night tweeting on the Wizards account that you, you just you love this team now. What is it about this team that you're loving, Dave? I love this team. I love this game. Um, I, I think it's just there's just a sense of fun now about Stoke, which we have sorely, sorely lacked in the last three seasons. We haven't had fun, have we? It's been a relegation, a miserable sixteenth finish, a miserable fifteenth place finish, and there's just a sense of optimism now. And without getting carried away, because I, I, I don't know if we're a playoff team yet or not. I, I honestly don't know. But we, it when we came down to the championship, I at least expected that old cliche to be true of anyone can beat anyone, and mm. that really wasn't true because it turned out we couldn't beat quite a lot of the teams. Um, <laughs> but now we genuinely can. We can go away to top of the league and win three 0 We can sometimes struggle against the lower teams, but you know every single game you'd back us. Even like away at Watford, we were robbed in that, and so we've got a, we've lost that sense of fear which is mm. a huge part of it. And of course, um, just we've, we've got that sort of Pulisian graft back and O'Neill's certainly revved, revved us up in that regard. But like players like Nick Powell and Stephen Fletcher and Tyrese Campbell make you want to go and watch football matches, which of course, you know, we can't unless we uh, illegally stream... <laughs> Hashtag keep illegal streams going. Um, yeah, and it's just we're just decent. We're not we're not amazing. We're not going to piss the league as mm-hmm. as much as uh, we'd all like that. But we're just a decent team now, and it's nice. It's bloody nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna riff off that because Dave mentioned something about fear, and my favourite thing is that we are fearless in. In a sense of yesterday, we played we played four people who have at times in their career played as a striker. Fletcher is a striker. Campbell's a wide forward who can play as a striker. Same with Brown. Powell's being used up front. 
I can't remember because I can't remember certain periods of football pre two thousand five. Stoke ever doing that ever like ever even under Pulis it was two strikers and that's it that's all you get. I excuse me I will I will beg your attention to one three three draw against Southampton <laughs> where Pulis played Crouch Kenwin Jones and Cameron Jerome all at once. That's only three. I mean, that's not four. Three the, is less than four. In the, in the promotion season, I, he did play Richard Creswell on the left wing as well. So, yes. you know, there's... there's <laughs> yeah. So, if there's anything, that. master of progressive football, Tony Pulis. Yeah, and, and Juf at right back as well. <laughs> so, strikers everywhere. Centre-backs up front, but striker on <laughs> yeah. right back. No, I, but I, I, I do take your point, Tom. Tony, go on. I was just going to riff off uh, what... Dave said as well, but I can't remember what it was now because I've thought Thanks. about something else. I know it was about it was about strikers and being good, and also what Tom said about us not having fear. And there's that kind of we're we're, we're scoring a lot of goals seemingly by accident. Sometimes we just come out of a game with four, and it's like oh, I'm not sure how that happened. Oh well, but also it felt like for the first time ever, it felt like yesterday. If we'd lost that five four, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, would it? Like mm-hmm. it good game, yeah. yeah. That stuff happens, but because I'm dour and a horrible person, my favourite thing at the minute is our baby centre backs because I love defence. <laughs> I, I mean, for the first time in a while, I think I might get the end of season DVD because, <laughs> like, especially with all the behind closed doors games, there will be so many games that we will have forgotten about. Like, mm. Oh my god, look at that goal! Goal! Mm. Goal! That's it, because we're not, we're not going to have the first-hand memory of that. And another! That's it, the first-hand memory of like, oh yeah, I remember the emotion I felt standing where I was seeing that goal. You're not going to have that this season. So, uh, yeah, mm. I think you're right. Let's all, um, let's all buy the DVD. I take tiny issue with that, because I definitely have first-hand memory of the last game of a season being stood exactly mm. here. Okay. The last game of the season when we beat Forest, when Josh Tymon kept creating goals, and I was just going, ah! but I was right here. Well, and I do you know? It. Do you want to know what I love? What I love is that even that our manager can can really galvanise this team and bring them together, even when he's working on a case that is so <laughs> difficult as the murder of Moritz Bauer. Like that seamless transition there, Dave. I believe it's time for Michael O'Neill Stoke De- City Detective episode two, is it not? This will be absolutely fine. We'll be absolutely fine, lads. Um, yes, so this is the second instalment of Michael O'Neill Stoke Detective, uh, which is something we've created as a sort of thank you for your donations to the Wizard of Drivel Christmas Food Bank Appeal. Uh, link's still on all, all our socials and we've raised £4,240 now which is just marvellous so thank you so much and there's still time left uh, to donate. So uh, in the last episode we discovered the tragic news that Moritz Bauer had been murdered um, but uh, we we pick things up with a very recent um the very recent adventures of Michael O'Neill, Stoke Detective. <clears throat> Fade in, the O'Neill household. Michael has returned home after a long day. Leaving his hat on the hat stand, he moves into the living room and sits in his favourite armchair. His wife, 
Mrs. O'Neill enters. Oh, how are you, love? Would you like a drink? A whiskey to start, I think, love. Christmas decorations are looking lovely, by the way. Oh, thanks, dear. Are you going to put the tree up yourself? No, I, I think in the living room. <laughs> Good call. Are you sure you want the whiskey again? We could try the new port. Nah, thanks. Times like this call for the usual. <laughs> Is everything all right? I heard you won 4-3 today. That's right. But, but it's it's the bar case. How can he just turn up dead? It makes no sense. <laughs> Michael's mobile rings. He answers. Hello? Well, hello, Michael. Well done today. What a victory. I must admit, I was wondering what all the fuss was about. But you've done a marvellous job. Hold on. Have you checked out Cards and Corners? Have you tried live streaming? You'll love it. Who's that? Oh, that's Ray Winston. He's contractually obliged to live with me now. Uh, But he's gone insane with Bet365's superb selection of odds and offers. So now we mostly just sit together and watch Game of Thrones. Bet in play? Nah. Game of Thrones? I love that show. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Tony. We've got six minutes. Yes, we're at the episode where... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. He's gone. (laughs) He's gone. Yes. Oh, do excuse me. Uh, We're at the episode where the Knights of the Vale turn up to save John uh, Snow. I I hate the Knights of the Vale. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, there's been a development with the Bauer case. We've received intelligence that something's going down at the French port city of Deteste Vale. I've never heard of that place. Well, it is a new port. (laughs) Anyway, grab Billy and get down there as soon as you can. You could take my helicopter. I will, boss. Love, ring ring Billy and fetch me travel whiskey. I'm off to France. Cut to a sketchy port city in northern France, a biting cold November day. Longshoremen are loading and unloading containers. Men in berets drink baguettes and have affairs. Everyone's pissing outside. The scene is so typically French. Striding along through the mist, O'Neill and McKinley meet an unassuming man that, like Michael, is also dressed as a detective. But he's smoking a cigarette, so you know he's the French one. Hello, I am Claude. Would you follow me, s'il vous plaît? I want a flag! Did you enjoy your dinner? <laughs> <coughs> right you are, Billy. Something doesn't feel quite right here. Uh, uh, ooh, look at that bus! <laughs> Claude leads them far away from the French dock workers to a lone shipping container. I have been told that there is some things that we need to see in this container. Claude opens the door. 
do shipping containers have doors or is it like a thing you roll up how come you've never seen a shipping container before Dave remember to google this later and delete this bit of script anyway Claude opens the door it creaks open and the men peer inside what they see horrifies them oh my god Jesus Narvis mon dieu thank you inside dancing on his own is Moritz Bauer. Guten Tag, homies. It is I, Moritz Bauer. I am having a wicked rave in my rave pod. Kartoffel Salat. (laughs) Moritz, they said you died. What's happening? Why doesn't any of this make sense? Dead? Me? No, you silly curly verst. I'm too busy loving life. But I saw you at the under-23s game the other day. You scored a hat-trick? Oh no, that will have been my clone. Multi bastard eat the rich! (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh dear. (laughs) Did you say you're clone? Oh shiza, I've said too much. I've got to go, guys! Moritz Bauer sprints past them and mounts a 1930s motorcycle. He speeds off into the French mist. Did you did you get a license plate, Claude? Ah, uh, bien sûr. It was they. Ah! Uh, I hate them. They L zero on c'est un. We will find him, Monsieur O'Neill. Oh, I don't think you will, and I don't think you want to. <laughs> Out of the mist, a figure emerges. He carries a cane, but is wearing a pristine white suit and is drinking a mint julep. Who are you? Oh, I do declare. The name's Sambegu Bangora, and I'm afraid this case is so much bigger than Moritz Bauer. (laughs) I can't breathe. Does the conspiracy go all the way to the top? Will Michael put the tree up? Was giving some Begu Bangora an American accent a politically correct cop out? Find out next time on Michael O'Neill, Stoke Detective. Really sorry, lads. <laughs> Fantastic work there. Written by David Cowlishaw, starring all of us as well. Tune in next time, whenever that will be, for the third instalment of Stoke. People have drawn posters for this. People have drawn posters. It's nuts. Oh, gosh. We have one minute remaining, so I'm going to wrap this up, gentlemen. Oh, what a way to end the episode. Dave, thank you so much. Tom, as always, it's just wonderful to hear your Michael O'Neill. Tony, Billy McKinley is my favourite character in the world. From me, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a lovely week. We'll see you next time when we find out how deep this conspiracy goes. Go on, on, Stoke. So Patreon episode, then, yeah. <laughs> Patreon. 
Hooray! Extra Wizards of Drivel content for only 86 pence per month. And if that's too much, blame the government. Because $1 was about 75p a week ago. But anyway, uh, your $1 a month gets you access to hot content on the Wizards of Drivel like this. I'm joined by Alfie Potts Harmer, author of England's Greatest Defender. So, Dirk Copeland from... Uh, Blackburn Rover Seas. Uh, thank you for joining me. Joining me is Ollie Dawes from Deepdale Digest. Hello and welcome to the Stoke City Years, a podcast series that reviews the history of Stoke City season by season. What else was happening around the world in 1891? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Boundless enthusiasm. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Evening, everyone. And unquestionable sobriety. I thought Josh Tymon was really good. <laughs> Tony, we've all had a bit to drink. Transfer deadline day with sign James Chester. <laughs> if Gary Rowett was a US president, <laughs> what president would he be? Jimmy Carter. But people have signed up to the Patreon where we are actually semi-comprehensible from time to time. Once. So, if you want to keep this thing happening... Patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Dribble. We're all very, very poor people. Four years being on this podcast, I've gradually grown it to a place when it was a completely unlistenable mess using, you know, free copyright free music. Microphones didn't work, it was barely audible, and yet people persisted with it. <laughs> to a point, we've interviewed Ricardo Fuller, we've interviewed Liam Lawrence, we've interviewed Leon Court, we've interviewed Gordon Banks, we've interviewed Terry Conroy. We've had, like, experts on from other clubs. We've had, like, football finance experts mm. and people like John McKenzie and, like, uh, the Not The Top 20 pod guys. I'm amazed at the people who actually say, I listen to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. And yet, not two minutes ago, <laughs> Chris Brammer just used the phrase, it's a good oven. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Wizards of Drivel. It's a shame with a ne'er-do-wells of a cynical new age. Or if it's easier, if it please you, so we'll let it all slip away. Hang on, hang on. Uh, notification on my neighbourhood Facebook group. What is all that racket? <laughs>